Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Comic Talk, the podcast. My name is Jesse Rivera. It is Monday, November the 2nd, 2020. This is episode 78, and our guest today is Miriam Musavi, who technically is making her third appearance on the podcast. Yeah. Miriam was on like episode seven, eight, or nine, like way early in the podcast when I uh, I was just running on adrenaline and the audio was horrible and I always felt bad that the audio was so bad when she was on. So um, then she was on a live episode uh, from the comedy spot and uh, unfortunately the audio was horrible on that episode also. So. I always wanted to have Miriam back and have a good show with no audio difficulties, and I think we pulled it off this time. So, you'll be listening to that shortly. Let's see, what else is going on? Oh yes, The Mandalorian is back on Disney. Yes, dude. I woke up a little bit early on Friday, and I made myself a pot of coffee, and I sat down before work and enjoyed the first episode of season two, and then uh, later on in the afternoon, I had to call my nephew and have him explain to me uh, everything that was going on and maybe some of the things that I had missed. It's such a great show and I feel like a little kid every time I watch it. I'm so excited and I I don't mind that the entire season isn't released all at once. Like it gives me something to look forward to. You know, there's such there's so few things to look forward to right now, right? Um, but The Mandalorian was definitely something that I looked forward to all week and it did not disappoint one bit. Um, I watched a lot of TV this weekend. I have, uh, I subscribe to YouTube TV because it was the only way for me to watch the World Series because I don't have regular cable. And they had a free preview of Showtime this weekend. So I was able to watch the uh, Showtime documentary about the comedy store. I almost said the comedy spot. I'm sure there'll be a documentary on the comedy spot one day and Nick Larson will direct it. But I watched a document, I watched the documentary about the comedy store. It was great five episodes i think the first episode was two hours and then after that uh they were an hour each and i stretched it out over the weekend so i didn't feel like i was just only sitting in front of the tv but i did watch a lot of tv uh just right now i had to pay homage to sean connery r.i.p mr sean connery made it to the ripe old age of 90 that's a good run like nobody should be sad that sean connery passed away at 90 like be sad if he passed away like at 55 or something like that like that's that's really young but 90 that's a great run like that's almost like living overtime so uh, rest in peace sean connery and my homage to sean connery tonight was the i'm gonna guess it was 1987 uh correct me if i'm wrong 1987 brian de palma the untouchables all-star cast Ro- uh, robert de niro kevin costner sean connery that one guy with the glasses from american graffiti who's in everything and a very young Andy Garcia great movie I forgot how good this movie was it's been years since I watched it and I really enjoyed it and the fucking score is amazing I don't know who did the score but the score was amazing so rest in peace Sean Connery enjoy a Sean Connery movie and um, he he had a good life nothing sad to say hey speaking of good things the fucking Dodgers finally won the World Series yas queen I was beside myself I was so happy I just sat there smiling thinking of all the happy Dodger fans you know what was something I I pointed out to a friend of mine I think I pointed it out to my sister was that um so the Dodgers the last time the Dodgers won a World Series was 1988 
so many people were saying like, oh, this one's for you, Grandpa. Like, so many people have died waiting for the Dodgers to win a World Series. Like, that's how long it's been since the Dodgers won a World Series. Like, an entire generation has left us. Like, we were all, like, dedicating it to, like, our grandfathers, our uncles, our, our dads, all the original, the OG Dodger fans who, unfortunately, were not around to see a world title and the trophy come back to Los Angeles where it should have been in 2017 but you know how that goes fuck the astros anyway enough about that enough about baseball enough about baby yoda enough about sean connery let's get to episode 78 of comic talk the podcast with my very good friend ms miriam musavi thanks for tuning in have a great week go vote be good to each other bye We're recording. Miriam Musavi, how the hell are you? Honestly, I'm having one of the be- a, a great day, like one of the better days out of the last eight months. Um, we just did comedy in the park last night and it was the best turnout yet. You know, because I think the weather is perfect and I think people are a little bit like, oh, we can't do anything for Halloween. Let's at least go to this comedy in the park thing. And 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 you've been doing it now for like probably what? um since um august august september october yeah only for three months but i think i don't know what happened this time around hi penelope Um, but she's uh, looking for her spot to sit and she's like wait so sad (laughs) this hurts me you need to set her up somewhere It took off since August. Yeah. And um, I don't know what happened this time around. I guess more people shared it. I think a couple, like the burlesque um, scene here in Sacramento, shared it a lot on Instagram. And then like Queens 916 made their own flyer. So I think, like, which is like the queer community here in Sacramento. So I, I think word just spread a little bit more um, for this show. And I think it, it might be our last show until spring. So I'm happy it went out with a bang. Well, I'm glad you went out with a bang. Yeah, I was wondering what you were going to do with that because Daylight Savings was not your friend uh, the last few weeks that I was going to it. And because yeah. the weather was finally perfect. Yeah, I know. And, but in, And then last Sunday, I just decided to have like an impromptu one for a little bit. We were doing Fridays at six, but we're like, let's just do one today at five. And it was so windy, so dusty the whole time. The, the wind was like, get the fuck off the stage. Like anytime somebody <laughs> tried to perform and like there were four audience members, two of which were my friends, two of which have heard all of our jokes. Um, so it was one. So I, I'm happy we didn't end on, on a note like that. <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been a bummer to end like that. Oh, um, for sure. So you're laying it to rest. Are you, are you working on something else? Because like your, your hosting skills are, are just like, you're starting to get those razor sharp and it doesn't I, seem I'm starting to get them. Yeah. It doesn't Finally. seem like, like you want to lay those to rest right now. It seems like you want to do something and, and keep that going. Are you going to try to find a someplace to do a show or something or yeah I totally thank you for pointing that out because I totally I feel it like I'm starting to feel just comfortable enough like just a little bit and 
and I know if I stop, then I'll have to start all over. Um, but I was thinking about, well, I have reached out to Lowbrow, but that was before Comedy Spot reopened. So that now that's not really an option, but I reached out to like Beer Garden and haven't heard back. I was kind of hoping to find an outdoor venue, maybe like um, the Sacktown Brewery. It's like off Stockton or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but no one's really gotten back to me and I totally get it. Maybe I'm just being unprofessional. I don't know how to like, I don't know how to persuade or convince them. I I think right now it's a weird time because it seems like everything is like week to week, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, but man, I hope you find something soon because, um, you know, you and I started doing comedy right about the same time. Yeah. And I always kind of like looked at you like as a little sister, but as the, as the months went on, I kind of started looking at you like as a big sister because like <laughs> you were grinding and like anywhere, like, like sometimes I would think about going somewhere and I wouldn't go. And like, I would look on Instagram, like, fuck, Miriam was there. Miriam was there. Miriam was there. And you were just like, so like, like you really, really pushed me to like, to like, because I don't know, it's like, you kind of like, if, when you start with somebody, you kind of like want to stay parallel with them. Right. Like, kind of like, like, you know, like just, okay. She's getting shows. I'm getting shows. She's yeah. doing this. I'm doing this. Right. So yeah. like, I, I really like, I, I really always admired your hustle and uh thank it's you real. i admire yours too i mean there's telenovela and then you have your podcast and like i i wish i could get into podcasting it's like this whole other world but i definitely feel that we are parallel i think we just have our own little projects yeah yeah definitely and I, like i'm always rooting for you like thank i'm always you. like i feel like, it yeah, yeah i'm always like there's a there's your, your posters right back there it's yeah. so cute like that's the yeah, you gave me a huge opportunity. I got you gave me a lot of time to work on those posters. I got Ruby to help me with the roses. Like it was like a collab, like artists helping artists. I just like you you really you really come up with a lot of opportunities to help other artists and to give them a platform. And um I think the whole community appreciates that. And well, I think like you like I look at it like we have to leverage each other, right? Like I don't want to like like I could have like paid like a print shop to like do that, but why not like put money in your pocket, like a little bit less money too, then I would have had to pay a print shop. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like yeah. I would, I would rather do that. You know, I'd rather put, I would always rather put a couple of bucks in a friend's pocket than to okay. put a couple of bucks like in fucking Staples pockets. Totally. And we got to lean on each other. And there are so many people coming from so many different places like you can find whatever um skill you're looking for like you can outsource if you need somebody to make you a video or a flyer you really or, can like to promote your show i mean everybody has these secondhand skills that in, in in our community that we can really just rely on each other without outsourcing the look at how many of us have uh, have leaned on um what's evan t lily to do uh graphics the caricatures and yeah shows. look i'm wearing a, a love horrors baseball cap that he did this logo he made that? yeah well he did this logo yeah then emily put it on a baseball cap and then i saw a box of baseball caps i was like hey can i have one of those <laughs> Um, and then Emily put it on a baseball cap for you. She surprised you with that? No, no, no. She uh, like, she made them she to, to sell. Them. Yeah, she ordered them to sell. But oh, like, I have cool. a lot of hats. And I was like, well, I'm obviously going to get one of those, right? Yeah. <laughs> Number <laughs> so, one fan over here. Yeah. So, um, you know, another thing I, I was like, I was like going over my Miriam notes. And there's, there's a couple of things. One is um, 
I always wanted to redo your podcast because you came on my podcast early and it was when I did not know what, like I was just running on adrenaline <laughs> and like the audio quality is horrible on your first podcast, but it is still the ninth most downloaded podcast of all my podcasts. That's crazy. What like, did we talk about? We talked about like signs. We talked about. I don't about, even know what we talked about. I don't about. even remember. <laughs> and uh, it still gets like, like someone obviously searches your name because like it gets a random download like every other week. Like That's so weird. I wonder if my dad's trying to find me. <laughs> that might be <laughs> what it is. I don't know. And then when I had you and Ruby like dream come true live show, the the audio guy, you could hear him talking to the other audio guy through the whole recording. So I had to use my on my phone audio from my pocket and I was fidgeting with I fidget with this thing yeah when you're nervous or something yeah 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 and you can hear this like every 30 seconds oh (laughs) man and but I'm glad you decided to record it in second hand like that yeah like I mean, I you, you should have been able to rely on your audio guys, but that's really funny. So, so did you have to kind of piece it together and edit out the sound of that clipping? I did the best I could. Yeah. And I was, I was always like upset that one of my favorite people in Sacramento has been on my podcast twice yeah. and they got like eh, audio from my podcast. So hey, we're still was, trying to find our footing. It's so okay. I'm so glad. So I wanted to tell you, like, I'm glad we're able to do another podcast and we're going to get really good audio this time. And then the second thing that I want to talk to you about in your, as far as like your comedy, well, we'll talk about other things, obviously, but I feel like I know your grandma. (laughs) (laughs) You're so funny. Isn't it crazy? She has, she's not heard any of my jokes. She has no idea what my comedy is about. I still, anytime I think something is too expensive, I'm like, it's so interesting that you mentioned that joke because I thought that joke was dead and then I did it I ran out I was supposed to do a 10 minute set last night and it was eight minutes when I got the two minute light and I and I just was just searching and do trying to do calculations in my head and and just pulled that joke out of my ass. It hadn't worked like 10 times in a row. So I thought it was dead, but it did really well last night. And I was like, maybe a resurrection, like maybe we'll bring it back. So thank you for saying that. <laughs> it's so good. And then you have a, like, you have a newer joke about having to, uh, you know, I don't want to give you a joke story, but you have a newer joke about you and your grandma, like having to, like you had to sleep in the same bed as your grandmother. And yeah. I, I was tell, I was driving around earlier today and I was talking to my best friend and she's like, who's on your podcast today? And I'm like, oh, it's Miriam Musavi and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, she has this joke about, and I told it and she just laughed. <laughs> she thought yeah. it was so funny. That one I have not told my mom. Hopefully, I hopefully nobody in my family hears that joke. Um, but thank you. I feel sometimes self-conscious that all my jokes are just about sex and my family. But that's really like what I'm working through right now. I, I wish I could have jokes about like politics or things that mattered, but anything I write 
is just about sex or my family. And you know, that's interesting because you, you are like a, a young activist, like you're, 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 you're very vocal in, in how you feel about those things, but you, you're not, you're not writing jokes about that. But I don't think like, I don't, I'm very, I pay a lot of attention to the political climate, right? But I don't ever want to tell like a political joke because it's going to divide the room. Right, right. And I know some, I mean, maybe that's just not the kind of comedian that I am, but maybe I just really respect and admire those types of comedians. And that's just not. Yeah, because you, you step into that realm, you're in it, right? Like you're going to, you're going to have to defend it. Like, you know, and, and I don't, I don't want to use that energy to, to, uh, to try to defend anything that I'm saying. Like, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about myself because I can, I, I talk about myself all day. Like I'll do that, but like, yeah. I don't want to. Yeah, because it's neutral territory and it's not as easy to like weave in and out of political jokes and, and then back into you because now and now some of the audience doesn't like you because of your political joke. And then you move back into some material about you. They probably won't laugh at that because they don't like you anymore. <laughs> right so yeah because yeah you're right if you if you're making jokes about politics like that's kind of sticks with you as and yeah you kind of go that route right especially like here in Sacramento because like you could be like in a you could you could be like in a, in a midtown audience and it's very liberal right but then you could be like uh, like like Folsom or, or Rockland and like yep. and you could Folsom. like the, like they 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 loved you like they could love you but as soon as you like divide that room like you're gonna tell what side of the room that they're on and you know like I don't think like they're coming to a show to laugh like there's enough like there's enough uh politics going off like going around us also I don't think I'm strong enough of a comic to be able to handle that kind of tension right now like if I if I had confidence in my ability to control the audience to that degree like maybe I would make a um, make more of my set political but I just don't have those tools right now like I just feel like I'm just trying to keep my head above water and not like bring tension or like you know I'm just not there yet no I I totally get the whole like just we're just trying to keep our heads above water because like doesn't it feel like you're just you're just treading water most of the time you're just like oh my god I I did it like I got a show they said I did okay like okay I got another one like like what's um yeah it's freaking crazy right now have but, you done any i'm sorry i'm sorry go ahead go ahead you have could you ask done the question. any of the sidewalk shows or anything like that no i have not have you you did yeah. right yeah i've done a couple in the bay area which i mean the reason i'm thinking of this is because we're kind of talking about like being able to control the room and um these sidewalk shows you have zero control and they make they they <laughs> toughen you up because I mean there's all this commotion from the city people walking it's a sidewalk I mean like anybody could be there anyone I got saged the other day like <laughs> you have no control there and also my voice it feels so tiny and there's everything um conflicting with it so those shows have really um thickened my skin but I mean it's just so challenging this new era of comedy yeah what was it what was the first um couple of months of the pandemic like for you when because we were we were doing great it was going great wasn't it like it was like shows and and everything was going good and and bookings and then just one day to the next it's done what was what was that like for you man because like me like I went through it like it it was rough it was it was rough um what was that like for you how'd you handle that 
Um, I totally agree. We had so, so much momentum right before. Um, and I remember I was in the middle of a competition. I just, I had just lost a competition and there was another one coming and, you know, I needed that competition, I think, to get my confidence back up. I was booked on all these shows and, and little by little, they're just disappearing. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. <laughs> and, um, and for, I'm not going to lie in the very beginning when everything started getting canceled, I was, I was so relieved because I was just exhausted. I think like I work six to two every day and then shows are at night, you know, comedy is a lot of driving, a lot of waiting around and um, it just takes a lot of time. And I, I think I was, even though, I mean, that momentum was hard work. And so it was nice in the beginning to take a break. I was like, oh, well, I'll just be able to write and catch up on things. But then I couldn't write. I couldn't come up with anything. And then I fell into deep <laughs> sadness after that. <laughs> was it similar for you? It was, you know what, what really got me is like the, the podcast was going really good. And um, <clears throat> we had just done uh, another live podcast. We had just done Emma Haney, uh, Becky Lynn live at the Comedy Spot. And I was waiting to hear, cause like that's right when stab was getting ready to announce their podcast festival would have been like at the end of may and they had told us like if you submitted they would tell us like middle to late march who was going to be in the podcast festival so like i was already like emailing like a couple of people here and there of yeah. like if i get on this festival like would you be my guest on the podcast would you know and i and i think i had like I'm pretty sure I had like a fire two guests, like, and I was so pumped about it, you know? Yeah. And um, so everything gets canceled. And then coming home, well, no, because no, I wasn't even working. I was working from home at that point, but like waking up every day and you remember how my podcast setup was in my living room, right. like seeing the microphones just sitting there was depressing like sure. it was just so sad so then finally one day like I boxed everything up so that I couldn't see it anymore and then that was the, like I thought that that would like help give me closure to it but it actually like made me go like more because like it felt like I amputated an arm like yeah. it just felt like it wasn't there anymore yeah and so like not even looking at it was like even worse like so that depression lasted up until uh one day like in the at the beginning of like probably the second week of may like i couldn't take it anymore and i just grabbed i had just done laundry so i had like one basket of clean laundry and one basket of dirty laundry mm -hmm. i grabbed both those baskets threw them in my car grabbed the dog and i took off to my mom's house for like three weeks you and that <laughs> i definitely just needed to go home and yeah. and um and that really then i came back in june and then i I resurrected the podcast, I think like at the beginning of July or something like that. Yeah. And I love doing them on Zoom now because it's now I'm like, <laughs> it's a lot less. And now I'm like, God, I used to let strangers in my house like all the time. Like what the heck was wrong with me? Like <laughs> that's one, that's one negative thing is Penelope's not here. I thought your studio was so welcoming and she was so cute and <laughs> But yeah, I'm happy you found Zoom to work for you. And, and it's just like way more convenient and safer. So yeah. you, you 
we all adapted it's we like, did we did but and it, some of us it, well it took me a little bit longer to adapt but i think um being in contact with the the guys from the gag on this podcast um like seeing them like they never stopped like they kept doing podcasts like every week and then and like i would i would message nick and like ask him like how are you doing this or i, I would talk to danielle and i'd be like well how are you doing this and i really thought that it was going to be like a real hard endeavor um and then um figuring out how to put everything on youtube and it's it's i think i'm like at 14 or 15 now that i've done on zoom and i'm just i'm i'm so happy with like i absolutely look forward to every saturday and recording a new podcast and then staying up all saturday editing and and putting it together and then putting it up on youtube and then putting it up on the podcast stream i, I love it yeah should... and that's great that we have people we can rely on and ask those questions like hey you've been doing this a while you know like how how and they're so willing to help and give advice and tips like that yeah yeah like um, the sidewalk oh i'm sorry go ahead no go ahead what were we saying about the sidewalk uh, the sidewalk show I got from a comic in Oakland. His name is David Dominguez. I just went, um, it's like comedy on the lake on, um, what's Oakland Lake? What's it called? Oh, lake Merritt. Uh, okay. Anyways. <laughs> um, yeah, I went to a couple of those and I was like, Hey dude, did you just like buy an amp? He's like, yeah, so I just bought an amp. And then I was like, would you mind if I also bought an amp? And he's like, no. And so like we both found that that's how it started and that's how we just all adapted I guess like leaning on each other and figuring out loopholes to get around the pandemic <laughs> yeah um when when did you do the first the the comedy in the park you didn't do that pre-pandemic did you no mm -mm. no we're, but but were you hosting open mics yet pre-pandemic no, way too scared and I remember Ruby was hosting the open mic at the comedy spot and like I, you know I'd go to perform and I would just watch her all night and be like how how do you do this because you just got to be on your toes for two hours you got a million questions coming at you you got to have funny transitions you got to keep the audience happy like I was just so impressed with her and then I realized that you ne you're never really ready to do it you just have to force you just have to rise to the occasion and challenge yourself because it's so intimidating like you just have to do it you're never going to be ready like yeah like you just can't ever like turn down the opportunity to do something right have you have you regretted that yet or have you have you done that or no comedy taught me that you just don't turn it down like you just have to do it even if i do a bad job i would rather do a bad job than turn something down like you have to you have to take your opportunities yeah turn down uh, a chance to do something no way yeah because even like i think somebody dropped out at comedy spot at the show that was supposed to be last night i mean that was last night and um they asked me to do it um to replace the person but i had comedy in the park and it was ending around 7 7 30 and the show's at eight and i really want to stick around but also i love that feeling of like performing twice in one night like oh, yeah because you never you you're like almost fully relaxed the second time you do it and it, to be that comfortable on stage it's something like i don't want to pass up and i think like I think that's why comedians do like four open mics a night, like to just get to that level of comfort. 
it also like helps you like if you have a bad set somewhere like to just quickly because like they always say that right like if you have a bad set you need to get up on stage as soon as possible to get that that taste out of your mouth right and and to and to redeem yourself so you did comedy spot last night yeah and it was cool I have a couple new jokes and it was cool to test them on both audiences and like to cut the things that for sure didn't work that first time and it was just like speeding up the whole process like comedy just moves a lot faster that way and we we don't really have that luxury luxury we usually have we perform like once a week um especially during I mean just right now and and so it felt really good to kind of um make progress on on my jokes last night that's great um what's what's next for you what are you what are you going to do like so comedy in the park is kind of on a hiatus and yeah I'm I'm sad, but I feel like I'm going to inevitably think of something because also my friends are sad that it ended. So I'm pretty sure we're going to brainstorm. For now, the plan is to continue reaching out to outdoor venues, even if they're not in Sacramento, if they're near Sacramento and it's like a once a week thing, I'll be willing to drive. And, you know, like I just want an open, safe, socially distant place. Um, and because we could bring them so much business, you know how many people go at least like 20 30 people, and we could bring them. we could I have an Instagram to show for it I just, I just don't know what I'm doing wrong, you know, since they're not reaching I mean they're not getting back to me. So I'm trying not to be discouraged by that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, earlier we were talking about you said that that you thought that at the beginning of the pandemic that you would have time to write. Uh, what was the what was the writing process like during those days? Were you just not writing or was it just too depressing to even write or what? I realized like performing is so much a part of writing. You don't just sit down and write, write, write every day, every day. You're just adding. No, you, you, you're just going to backlog your journal. You need to like test the jokes. And then when when you test the jokes, when you go perform, all you want to go do is write down what worked, what didn't. And then that's how the process continues but when you're not performing so hard to write and I really wasn't thinking I couldn't think of anything funny about it and my coworkers would come up to me like well this is a great chance for you to um, catch up writing and I bet you're you you this is comedic gold right here working at a grocery store through the pandemic and then that was just putting pressure on me because I'm like ha, I actually don't have anything and even now I only have like two jokes about working at a grocery store in the pandemic. So um, it was just miserable. (laughs) I need to perform to write, I think. Was everybody stocking up on wine? Yes. Oh my gosh. It it was like apocalyptic going into work with the shelves (laughs) empty. The shelves were empty when we were done stocking. They still looked empty and people, it was just chaotic, you know? And, And then and then for a while, um, nobody really came in. So that was weird too. Really? I, um, I, we won't say the name where you work at, right? But it's it's absolutely my favorite store in the world. So everybody knows what that is. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm giving it away, but it is absolutely my favorite store in the world. I'm, I'm sad that I don't live on your side of town. But then like you would see how often I go in. And then you would also see me horribly flirting with all of the girls and so that would just get awkward I don't know they hire the cutest girls I don't know. I want to do this joke about like you know what it's like to go for an interview at that place is like all right put these shorts on turn around let me see your calves okay 
<laughs> okay. So okay, you're hired. What size shirt do you wear? Medium. Here's a small. Here you go. Oh my. Anyways, it's crazy. Anyway, it's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, I wish you did live on this side of town. Robert Barry actually, he lives on this side of yeah, town. And this, he's in there all the time with his wife. I, uh, I, I would not go in there with my wife. <laughs> I don't have a wife. Anyway, yeah, I, I it's um it's my it's it's my social hour because I get an hour for lunch. Mm -hmm. Um and so I will go I definitely go every Monday and then probably Wednesday and then again on Friday. Like I try not to go on the weekends. Yeah. Um I go in the middle of the day, in the middle of the week, and um I have my little routine. I, I look for coffee. I like to see what kind of coffee they've got. I get my eggs. I get my creamer. I, I know get... you're sad about that soy creamer not coming back till January. <laughs> what creamer is not coming back? No, we. I no the blue one. Soy, the soy one. Is that a soy one? Wait, do you get the big blue one that's vanilla? Yeah. Okay, you're good. I thought your favorite one was the soy creamer. No. That is out of stock until January. No, but you guys sometimes do run out of that blue one. And we'll be, what's that like when people are? <laughs> people are me. They think, they think it's me. I took them all off the shelf. <laughs> they think I'm the gatekeeper for the creamer. And um, I have to stop myself every time from buying the, uh, the dark chocolate uh Reese's cups cups yeah. oh my gosh yeah I know my best friend works there and like she just keeps them a bunch in her pocket and then she'll just present them to me at uh, like a little dog and they're my treat and I just <laughs> light up and she gets what she wants that way she just keeps a bunch of those in her pocket like warm and people do what she says <laughs> yeah the uh the little tiny uh uh drumsticks Oh, the frozen? The little, yeah, the ice cream. Yeah, I get oh, those. Oh my gosh, the hold the cones. Yeah, you, yeah, I love those. When I take them home, I just like, I'll be opening the, driving, opening the box, trying to get them out. I'll just, I can't even wait till I get home. They're just so It never good. fails. Every time I open the box, I open the wrong end of the box. <laughs> it's a design flaw, but yeah. But yeah, you can't, you can eat only like the minimum I can eat is three. I'm not going to, that box lasts me like six hours. <laughs> well, a serving is three of them. Like, I, like, oh, okay. yeah. So like, you're not overdoing it. You're eating one serving. So wow, I feel three, way better. Yeah. Three of them. Yeah. And it's only still, it's still like, I, you don't count calories. I count calories. So that, that is nice to know. I thought I was overdoing no, it. You're, no, you're doing, you're doing great. You're doing great. <laughs> I'm sorry. I could talk about that store forever. <laughs> no, I love how much you love it. I like, I like it too. I just miss um, being able to sample the things. There. Yeah. I, I kind of completely forgot about that already. Yeah. It, it was great because, you know, that I can't buy every new item. We have new items every week. And anyway, it was just nice. There's a bunch of stuff I miss. <laughs> I went the other day and they gave me a, a gluten-free pumpkin loaf because they said that uh that like it was advertised as like 12 ounces but it was only like 10 ounces or 11 ounces or something like that so they couldn't sell them and they're yeah and they they just gave it to me 
That's awesome. And that gluten-free pumpkin loaf, like I don't fuck with gluten-free shit because I'm just like, why I can tolerate gluten, but that is just, it was so good. I, I couldn't believe there is no gluten. I was having a piece every night with my like late afternoon cup of coffee. I was, I was having a piece and like, I, like at first I was like, let me save this for my friend who like, she, she has to do gluten. Right. So like I, I texted her and I was like, dude, I got this gluten pumpkin loaf. And then I was like, all right, I have most of a gluten pumpkin loaf. <laughs> like, all right, I have like half of a gluten pumpkin loaf. Get over here now. <laughs> and I'm like, that gluten pumpkin loaf is great. You should try it. <laughs> There's none left here. So I don't know what you're going to do. But have, um, what, uh, I, I, uh, <laughs> let's talk about a friend of ours really quick. Cause I'm super proud of him. And I think I want to have him on the podcast again, really soon. Uh, how much weight has Parker Newman lost? He oh looks sixty. Sixty. So I, I love his joke. You know his joke where he's like, "I just lost sixty pounds," and everybody's claps. It's like, "Thanks for the applause," or you could just have sex with me. Like that would give me <laughs> confidence. Like I love it. All of my friends love him. And when I asked for tips last night, I was like, "Just tip us at Venmo." I mean Venmo us, whatever. One of my friends. Venmo ten dollars and said just for Parker, <laughs> a fan favorite. He was a uh, when I first saw him, um, he was like he had his hair like his hair was kind of like messed up, right? And I it was like we we're kind of far away, and like Robert, I was talking to Robert, <laughs> I was talking to Robert Barry, and he's like, and I was like, hey, did Parker Newman lose a lot of weight, or did Miriam put on a little bit of weight? Who is that? <laughs> so funny so much weight but he looks great yeah he He looks great too i think how's he how did he do it do you know what he did did he start working out what did he do what's the secret um i know i don't know if he was working out i know he ate a lot differently and um that's all i really know because yeah, I think he's just changed his eating habits, but that's it's possible that he also started going to the gym, although COVID surely fucked that up. So <laughs> yeah, sure. COVID fucked up a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah, I know. it fucked up a lot of things. But now, like, I'm not saying that I go out everywhere every day now, but like, as easy as it is to get it, it's also pretty easy to like, stay away from like, crowded places and like, to I'm not saying it's easy to not get it, but like you can still like live a semi-normal life and like, like we don't, I don't think we need to be like hauled up in our house. And I think we're super lucky to live in California that like we can actually like, there's parts of the country like they can't go outside right now because it's just like, it's so cold. Like, and the weather is so bad, but like I'm sitting like in my house, like the front doors open, the kitchen windows open and yeah, you know, it could be a lot worse. And it could be a lot worse. So hopefully and if you just use your discretion, just use your discretion. <laughs> like then you can live a, a like you said, semi-normal life. Yeah. 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 And being outdoors helps. So I am a little bit nervous for the colder months and how that'll affect transmission, but 
I mean, I, I mean, the only place I'm really at high risk is my work. And for the most part, you know, customers, they, they, they know the rules. It's just every a couple that, you know, they feel like we're trying to control them or something. But I think people are getting used to it for the most part. And I'm feeling safer. Is that still a thing? Do you get that? Like, okay, like, okay, let me ask you this. Like at the very beginning of the pandemic, did you get like 10 of those a day? And now you're getting like one a day? Yes, it, it has, That's how it is. it's less for sure. But, and now it's just the craziest thing. Like I had a guy come through my line without a mask the other day. And thankfully we have like a plexiglass mm-hmm. barrier. And, and I said, sir, like you can't be, be in here without a mask. And I get, but we also have managers guarding the door, you know, tr- notifying everybody. And he was like, I have a medical issue, but it's like, so it seems so selfish. And like, that's something we've not gone, gotten past. It just feels like a, I'm looking at your asshole. Like, that's what it looks like. I'm not used to seeing your mouth anymore. I feel like you're showing me way too much. (laughs) If you have a medical issue, please have somebody shop for you. See, it was on a day that it was smoky as hell, which I was like, you need to be wearing a mask to protect yourself like period yeah yeah so basically my only defense in those times like is we dramatically cleanse the area when they leave like we'll start spraying before they like before they're even out of the building so they get the message like and yeah. I know that's petty, petty and passive aggressive but like we need to defend ourselves and like I just feel like that's so selfish and um we have no other defense really Hey, you know what? I'm watching that um, documentary about the comedy store right now. Have you heard about it? No. Should I watch it? It's on Showtime. Do you have Showtime? It's I like, don't. yeah, that like not everybody has Showtime. But, but tell me, is it good? Because I can find a way. <laughs> it's super good. Like it starts off like in the 70s and it talks about like how Mitzi Shore like kind of got the comedy store like as a divorce settlement from her husband mm-hmm. and like how like she like just like let them be themselves and it talks about like the rise of Richard Pryor so like one episode is like like finishes off talking about Richard Pryor and then the next episode kind of like goes into like the um leaves like Robin Williams and like um um oh god what's Jim Carrey and um like right now I'm doing I'm watching the episode that's about like Sam Kinison and Andrew Dice Clay and Roseanne Barr and it's just amazing like all of these people like were just like at this club that would they would just go there and like how it got so world famous and then like this episode I think is going to end with the whole Kinison era ending and then it then the last episode is about like the Joe Rogan era and how he kind of like helped resurrect it to like what it is now and yeah. um yeah, yeah I, I have to watch that because like I feel people ask me like I feel like people think I know about the history of comedy and I generally don't and I should know I should and I'm sure it's super inspiring um to see all those people just because like I mean potentially that could be like comedy spot one day is like you they, at the time they probably when they're all hanging out performing they probably didn't think they were going to make it as big as they did like it just uh, hearing that makes me feel hopeful and, and it's, it's pretty inspiring so you're not you weren't a big comedy fan like that's not what got you into comedy um 
I didn't watch a lot of stand-up, no. Um, I just watched what, like, I didn't even really get the remote growing up. Like, I just, like, my brother, whatever he watched, and he watched a lot of stupid stuff, like Family Guy and, and like, like Jim Carrey movies, sure, and Steve Martin, sure, but, like, not really stand-up specials, I, I wouldn't say. Um, so I feel embarrassed when people ask me about it, and I just don't know what to say. <laughs> what, what made you decide to do start doing comedy? Well, I don't watch stand-up, but I love comedy. Well, I just, uh, people would say I was funny, you know, and um, I was like, okay, I got to hold on to that, like, especially because I was not cute in high school. But then what really got me into comedy is that my girlfriend cheated on me uh, right when I moved to Sacramento, and I, like, I was Muslim when I met her, and then I stopped practicing because I loved her, and I was like, God, this can't be wrong. You know, I just went through all these like, I just loved her so much. So the breakup just tore me apart. And um, thankfully, I just moved to a brand new place. And and I saw Comedy Spot. And I was like, how can I be a part of this? And um, I went on their website, applied to be an intern. So I just worked the box office. And then I watched for two years as like confident white man men bombed on stage just like and I was like god I'm just too nervous but I'm like wait wait a second everyone's bombing every fucking night like why can't I go up there and bomb too like it just took me two years to come to that conclusion <laughs> basically um but I did I know I described it negatively but I did really enjoy those two years of watching our local comedians grow and hearing their jokes change ever so slightly and it was, it was very interesting and mm-hmm. I love our community what was it like going from like like how long did the did it take you to from like you're sitting there watching to like okay, I think I'm going to go up there next week, or I think I'm going to go up there next week. How long did that take? Did the, like, did somebody nudge you? Two or years. Two um, years. And then what, what finally, like, what, what changed on that Sunday that made you say, I'm going to go up and do it? Like, what, what nudged I listened, you? I listened to this TED Talk um, about fear. Okay. It was just about fear. And in the TED Talk, they recommended a book called Tribe of Mentors by Timothy Ferris, which is just a bunch of successful people describing their failures. Every page, every two pages is just another story of failure. And these are very successful people, even like like athletes, poker players, um, like interior designers, actors, all types of successful people and their failures. And then I was like, and then from that, I got the tip you know, to set a date. And then, so let's listen to that podcast, read that book, set a date two weeks from today, you're going to go on stage. And then that's when I started writing. And my best friend was coming over, we were smoking weed, writing, smoking weed, writing, um, till I got a, a five minutes. And then I, then I just never looked back, really. <laughs> Who brought you up the first time you, you performed? Do you remember? Um, I think it was Shahara. Okay. Yeah, because I remember feeling like she I think she gave me a pep talk and she was like my comedy mom for a while. (laughs) I was going to say, because like there's got to there's like you you, we develop like these kinships, right? These these friendships, because like Ed Mena brought me up the first time and um, like I didn't know him, you know, and uh, and like I was sitting outside comedy spot. I was sitting outside and I was like, who's in charge? And uh, they're like, that guy is. And like, I told them that, like I told them it's my first time. Um, can you like, 
let the crowd know it's my first time. Like I, I was really, I was really scared about it. And, and, uh, and he's like, and he, and like, I was like, kind of like rambling. He's like, dude, I get it. I'll put you up kind of early. Don't worry. You know? And like, he did the whole, like, Hey, this guy, it's his first time. And this is really hard to do, you know? So give it up for him, no matter what happens. Like, this is hard guys. So, and like, I went out there and I'll never forget that. Like, it felt okay. Like, you know, how, like when you're having a horrible set, you know, you're having a horrible set, yeah. but like, it felt like this doesn't feel horrible. Like they they laughed most of the time. And then yeah. when I walked off the stage, like, you know how you like, it's like that buzzing and you're kind of like, you don't know what's going on. I heard, I heard Ed say, Hey guys, sometimes it goes really bad and sometimes it goes like that. So that was great. If he just said the opposite, like I may have never gone up there again. Right? Yeah, he held your back and he, he's been in your position. Like, and it feels, and it feels so good to do well your first time. I'm sure a lot of it has to do with, it's like so charming. Somebody, somebody being so vulnerable for the first time on stage like that, like the audience is immediately endeared to them. And sometimes like I had a really good set my first time and it set my expectations like too high because then after that, like I, I thought I'd always do that well, but it, I, that was just the bar. <laughs> but, do, you, do you get, ex uh, I get excited and I definitely wanna watch whenever I'm somewhere and I catch wind that somebody's going to go up and do their very first set. Yeah, totally. It's so interesting. I mean, I've seen somebody do their very first set at Punchline Sacramento. And I don't know how this guy got to do his very first set at Punchline. It was like the very first showcase I was on. So I was like, you guys, this is a really big deal. So so many of my coworkers came, so many of my friends. And then, then the host is like, all right, this is this guy's very first time, blah, 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 make it loud. And so meanwhile, my friends and family are like, I thought this is a big deal. This guy just <laughs> out of nowhere. And then he comes and he, and he bombs so hard. And I'm just like, so confused because like, everything is going for you when you perform at Punchline. Like everyone's drinking they're set up perfectly it's like low like every you have everything on your side so it like it doesn't always go well <laughs> I guess were, were we on the, the the show together the last night at Punchline I know my last set was at Punchline was Ruby on that Ruby show? was on that show did you get a set like at the last minute no, or, I, yeah, no I got, you were there I supporting Ruby no yeah I got a guest set at the last minute and I went first Okay. Okay. Yeah. And you were on that show. I was on that show. And I and think did you go out with a bang. I did. I did. Yeah. I had a, I had a solid set and, mm -hmm. uh, and Ruby had a great set. Like yeah. I, Daniel Humbarger had a great set. Uh, he hosted, no? Yeah. Daniel hosted like Morgan yeah. Anderson. That's when I first met Morgan. Yeah. And uh, yeah, everything was going Johnny Taylor. Yeah, uh, Ruby recorded that set and then she posted on her Facebook and she was like, hey, I'm out of a job, Venmo me. And the community pitched in like a thousand dollars. Yeah. Like a couple hours. It was like- Really? Swear. We were, it, she's just come in my room, $50. I was like, $50? Come back 10 minutes later, $600. I was like, what? <laughs> so um that's when I really felt the love like that's when I was like 
I think we're going to be okay. Um, it's uh, like inspiring. Wow. Because, ever, dude, everybody loves you and Ruby, right? Everybody. Yeah. Like, I but think I everybody does. <laughs> yeah. But I constantly see us showing up for each other like like you know on sacked people like during the fires hey i have a room available if somebody needs a place to go hey i can take your cats or dogs if you don't know where you know like everybody is just so willing to help and it's like it's so much than more about it's more than just the comedy you know what I'm thinking is like too is like a lot of people that I know here in Sacramento like they like found themselves in Sacramento like like you said you moved here from somebody somewhere else was it from further away or Stockton yeah Stockton, Stockton. and then Tracy before that but totally found myself here I would say that yeah I, yeah so like I think to like I think to myself like I finally am becoming the person that I've wanted to be like my whole life here in Sacramento. And I kind of see that a lot with like Alieda, like moved here from another place and like just all these other people that like, and I think that's why we're such a caring community because like we all like kind of like found our true selves here and like we know what it's like to just like not to like, to just feel a little bit uncomfortable, to feel a little bit out of place or to feel a little bit scared, mm -hmm. you know, because like we, like I definitely was that, Dude, like I lived up here for like two or three years before I started like hanging out with people and like getting to know people. I remember, uh, I don't know when it was, but like uh, I wanted to go to a concert and like I told my friend in Bakersfield, I was like, hey, uh, can you come up uh, the weekend? Of and she was like, dude, you should really have friends up there by now. <laughs> That's a good friend though. Just to gave it to you real right there. Yeah, I was like, I was just like, dude, uh, you should really have friends up there by now to go to concerts with. And I was like, well, just come to this one with me and then we'll, we'll figure then it we'll out. Talk. Yeah, maybe then we'll talk. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I cannot wait for it to get back to normal. Um, but I don't know. I I like uh I like the, the slower pace because you're you you touched on it earlier, like it is like nonstop when you're when you're doing shows and then when you're not doing shows like you feel like you got to get out to open mics mm -hmm. and then there's those those nights where you're like oh i could hit two mics tonight easily and um mm -hmm. but it's been a nice break and i'm, I'm ready to jump back into it hopefully in the spring <laughs> yeah i'll be ready in the spring let me write a couple new jokes <laughs> yeah i i've enjoyed the break too and i know that when we get back we will not take anything for granted and i think we'll love each other i know this is stupid but i think like we'll love each other so much more because before when i'd go to the comedy spot i would be so shy walking up but now i would just want to hug every single person and kiss them like i just like miss everybody i miss the whole thing and i won't take it for granted <laughs> it is so weird to like like how i've like turned off the hug uh like the hug react like just in person like it's so weird so like yeah it's it's not cool because like i i do really miss giving hugs saying goodbye to people and like you know even shaking hands and like i don't know but um it's it's a weird spot we're in right now and and uh, i know i know we'll get we'll get over it um there'll be a vaccine and they'll there'll, there'll be treatments or like you know people ask me <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna, I'm, no. I'm gonna try out a joke. 
tell me. People ask me like, "Are you gonna are you gonna do the vaccine, Jesse? Like, are you are you worried about a vaccine?" And I'm like, "Dude, I used to have a meth addict. I used to be a meth addict, right? Like, I used to snort stuff up my nose that bikers made in a bathtub. Like, I'm I, gonna take that vaccine. I'm gonna take that vaccine. Like, I love it. I'm not worried about it, you know. But it's I don't know. I'm, I don't want to get into the whole anti-vaccine thing, and I don't want to get into the whole political things, but I'll be so glad when this election's over and it's so these, close. I know, like, I remember, like, it used to be, like, it would be, like, months away or years away and weeks yeah. away. Now it's, like, days away, and I'm, like, I'm ready. Uh, yeah, I'm so ready for this to be over with. I don't know, but. Yeah, because I don't want a vaccine from this, this administration. Like, <laughs> let's, uh, I'll take a vaccine, but. Oh man, you know. <laughs> Do you celebrate the holidays like Thanksgiving and Christmas and all that stuff? What is uh, that my, like? My family is all—they moved everywhere. So, but my mom is thirty minutes away, so I'll go eat with her and her boyfriend. Like, she'll make a small meal, so it's really, really boring. But I do appreciate. I think it's boring, but I appreciate that it's low key. I, I, you know, since I work at a grocery store, I see how much pressure it is and how much money people spend and how stressed they are. And they, I just, I could wear my sweatpants and just go eat with my mom. And, you know, that's just fine with me. So. I, I was thinking that the other day that I don't think that uh, my fashion sense is ever going to recover from this pandemic. <laughs> Too like, comfortable. I, and then especially like I've been working from home this whole time. And like, they're saying we're probably going to stay working from home. Like once it's over, that they're going to give you the choice to work from home or work from the office or like work from the office like one day a week or something like that. And I'm like, I don't think I want to recover fashionably from this because like I have not, like when I finally decided to wear a pair of pants the other day, like I couldn't find my belt. Like I was like, <laughs> long gone. <laughs> I haven't worn a belt. Like, and like I finally found a belt, but it was broken. So I had to just like tie it. Like, <laughs> No, I'm I'm genuinely nervous for shows to pick back up, and I'm I have nothing. I have no, I I don't know how to dress nice and professional anymore. Like the shirt says, "Bread to shred." Like I'm fucked. <laughs> Come on. Have you done Have you done any of the Zoom shows? Oh no, I'm scared. I'm too shy. I started doing this uh this show called a uh, Rush In Roulette. Okay. And uh, they put your name on the wheel. Right. So everyone's name is on the wheel. Then they spin the wheel and it's like, boom, you're next. So then they spin the wheel and it's like, so there's three wheels. One wheel has everybody's name. One wheel has random numbers like one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. And then one wheel has like 300 topics. So they spin the name, they spin the wheel to see who's next. Then they spin the wheel to see how much time you're going to get. Then they spin the wheel and give you a topic. That's awesome. Did you come up with any jokes through that? I have riffed a lot and I've okay. had some solid sets and I have them all recorded, but I haven't gone through to like try to pick them apart to write from them because like some seeds. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But I've got other stuff in notebooks that I've like kind of jotted that stuff down, but it's, it's like everything that makes me uncomfortable about open mics. Like you don't know when you're going to go up. You don't know how much time you're going to get. And you don't know like what the heck your topic is going to be. 
Yeah, it's, I'm like impressed that you would, yeah, you got to rise to the challenge because you can't say no. (laughs) Yeah, and that's what it was. Like uh, uh, Jackie Pearl came over and had coffee one day and she was just like, you got to do it. You got to do it. I'm going to be on it. And like, so like Jackie and Danny D do it all the time. So like, that's who kind of led me that way. And uh, and the girl is from Seattle, uh, but there's comics like from all over the United States on it. Like this dude from New York and, uh, so it's, it's really cool. Like, it's like cool to like meet new people. And like, uh, I'm doing it tonight. They do one Saturday, they do it Saturday night at nine and then Sunday afternoon at three. So yeah, I'll probably cool. do them both. Like, yeah, you should. Like I've been doing them both. With, way to come up with premises and stuff yeah, like the last couple of weekends I've done, I've done them both days. So it's a lot of fun, but that's the only zoom show I've done. I mean, I've done a couple of the, the stab ones and the comedy spot ones, like the, the, the obscure movie thing and oh, like the, trivia buddies yeah, show. Yeah. yeah and i've done that i've done those but like I, like comedy no i haven't done it's just i did a couple of the stab open mics at the very beginning yeah. um just that was more kind of just to see everybody like yeah, it really it really was because that's when like the quarantine was like hardcore like it was like we were in jail like that's what that was like at the beginning but okay well miriam I think we're done. What do you think? I think we've covered a lot. We have. Um, I hope that uh, we get to see each other soon. And uh, as soon as as soon as we can, come over and we'll hang out and you can play with the dog. Or, uh, you know, and yeah, we'll, we'll, drink, we'll drink some coffee. And maybe I'll surprise you one day and come to your store. But Yeah, that would please. be a treat. And if, if, I get this, if I get another venue or figure this out, I'll definitely have you on. Yeah, yeah, let me know. And I'll, I'll at least, I'll definitely come watch. Um, please say hi to everybody. Ruby, uh, you know, Parker, Drew, say hi to that whole crew. Love you guys, miss you guys. And um, I'll see you soon, okay? Okay, thanks for having me. All right, bye.